Uh, g'day everyone, welcome along to Summer Afternoons. Julian King with you today and it is great to have your company wherever you're tuned in on SEN 1170am in Sydney, SEN Cube 693 in Brisbane, Vegas 1620 on the Goldie and via the SEN app. Now the open line number, should you like to join me, it's a free call 1300 01 1170 and the text line, thanks to our great friends SBS Fence, Portable Toilet and Fence Hire Sydney, SBS Fence 0457. 736 736. Now, a slightly shorter program today, just the two hours. I can assure you, though, that'll get my 30 overs in. And boy, there is a stack on the midday menu or 11 a.m. menu for our Queensland listeners from SOK to TPJ to Australia Day. Of course, the second test between Australia and the West Indies. That gets underway straight after the program. It's a day nighter at the Gabba, and it'll be the last one to it. Fortress Gabba for some years. Going to knock the thing down and build it up again. I can tell you the forecast, too, for Brisbane's pretty good. They thought they are going to have cyclonic rains. Uh, maximum 32 today in Brisbane, mostly sunny for the Test match. The rain, they think, will tip to arrive in day three. So hopefully Australia, well, what do we have in Adelaide? Two-and-a-half-day Test match. Still a chance to get the result. So don't forget, after the program today at 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock in Queensland, join Jared Waitley, Damien Fleming, Ian, Healy, Ian Healy and the team for every ball of the Brisbane day-night Test live from the Gabba this afternoon. Now, on the show today, speaking of, we are going to check in with our great friend Baratson to Racing from the cricket crew ahead of that test match. And Thursday, of course, on afternoons means the crossover, which is our weekly look at, weekly look at basketball. I guess today the president of the Sydney Flames, Victoria Denham. The Flames in action tonight against the Southside Flies. Did you watch the Big Bash final last night? Tell you what, handsome crowd, over 43,000 at the SCG. No matter which way you dissect it, it has been a triumphant return for the Big Bash 13th edition. You slashed it from down to, what, 40-odd games, any further next year. All of a sudden, every game means something. You can afford to go see more games live. And if there's less games on TV, more people are going to watch. I mean, it's not rocket science. TV viewers, gone up. Average crowds, gone up. The standard has been magnificent. It's just a shame about the rain we had. Well done to the Brisbane Heat. You know, this is a team that are notoriously slow starters. You can't afford slow starts now when the competition shortens. And they came out of the blocks. And they were thoroughly deserving champions. Inspired bowling performance at the SCG. That was their first title, the Heat, in 11 years. Josh Brown, he blasted them. Again, he broke the hearts of the 43,000 there at the SCG. All in magenta. 54-run demolition of the Sixers. It's a shame we didn't get a closer game. So Josh Brown backed up his record-breaking 57-ball 140. Had a quick fire half century. Socky got him on review on an LBW. As we said, that's their first championship, the Brisbane Heat, in 11 years. Now they're just the third club after the Sixers and the Scorchers with multiple men's big bash crowds. So he joined Nathan McSweeney, who's the skipper. He's a good player, Nathan McSweeney. He got 33. I can tell you that he is on the Australian selectors' radar, Nathan McSweeney. And they set the platform. They were asked to bat first. 40 off 22 from Bat Renshaw. That lifted them to 8 for 166, which is always going to be competitive. On a pretty tricky surface. I heard Darren Lehman say, look, 200 would be nice, but you know, anything, over, anything over 140 to 150, you got a game. And then Spencer Johnson fired up four for 26. He sunk them to their fourth loss now, the Sixers, in a men's big bash final. Best ever figures in a decider. And then Stevie O'Keefe, our good mate, his stellar career ended with a first ball duck. <laughs> he just went the swat, the flat bat swat down the ground, so he holed out, and they're all gone for 112. I bet he didn't think he was going to bat. Socky. So well done, Brisbane. Deserve a champions. A uh, heck of a season. But their bowling really was something else. I mean, parking Josh Brown for the moment. 
Three of the top four wicket-takers for the tournament were Brisbane Heat players. Spencer Johnson, he can't play. Xavier Bartlett. And then one of the fines of the tournament, big tall Paul Walter. And then you look at the spinners, Swepson and Kooneman, they are class. It's hard to top as a bowling unit at Brisbane. And just going back to Spencer Johnson and Xavier Bartlett, they have, without fail, two of the best heads of hair of the competition. Just thick and uppish too. Iceman vibes from Top Gun. I'm very jealous. Very impressive. And just back on, on Steve O'Keefe, congratulations to our friend Socky. He brings the curtain down on an outstanding career in all forms of the game, but he got the wicket of Josh Brown, as I mentioned. Ended up with 99 Big Bash wickets. Oh, that is Bradman-esque, is it not? 0457 736 736. I'll get on to the Test match in a moment and all this Australia Day kerfuffle, but this has been a talking point, certainly throughout Matty White's program this morning, about Tevita Pengai Jr., as the Courier Mail reported yesterday. I remember when I was filling in for Matty, they said, oh, he's been spotted at training now, he's just there to say good day to a few mates, don't read too much into it. All of a sudden, you know, this story's got legs. Is he really, is he really TPJ set for a shock return to the NRL? Plotting a Broncos comeback in 2024. Apparently he's held informal talks with the Broncos bosses to explore the prospect of a comeback to rugby league. This is just... Six months after he quit the Bulldogs. Nah, fallen out of love with the game. Don't want to play leg anymore. Want to pursue a boxing career. Now, Brisbane have not tabled the deal at this stage, but he has apparently met with key club identities with a view to wearing Broncos colours this season. And it's understood he plans to emulate rugby league legend turned prize fighter by juggling the high-level demands of NRL with his ambitions in boxing. Well, he'd need a clearance from the club, but you know, a player of that calibre... You'd make exceptions, surely. So he wants to do a Paul Gallon, basically. So he's 27, so he's really, if you think about it, he's in his prime, Pangai Jr. Inked a two-fight deal. We'll return to the ring in March. Hope to link up with the Broncos June or July for a late-season cameo, just as he did with Penrith in its charge of the NRL in 2021, the title. And his spiritual home, six seasons at the Broncos, released because of salary cap pressures. And then, as we said, set tongues wagging by making a surprise appearance as a spectator at Brisbane training. And then he quit the dogs. Quit the dogs. And Bronco, wouldn't they love him? They lost Flegler, they lost Farnworth. Palisier's gone to the Titans. Capewell's gone to the Warriors. So now they've got three vacancies left on their 30-man roster for 2024. That opens the door for Tavita Pangai Jr., but he does remain committed to boxing. Can he do both? Can he do both? As I said, Paul Gallant, 348 NRL games for Cronulla with 18 professional fights. That was from 2014 to 2022. And he has spoken, Pangai, about his struggles of adjusting to life in Sydney there at the Bulldogs. He was on 750000 Good coin. But this is the thing. People are saying, well, how much is it going to cost him? If the NRL imposed the salary cap estimate, say a short-term four-month deal for Pangai Jr. could cost the Broncos about $250,000. A steal. Don't, don't get Joel Kane on this. You won't shut him up. But I'm curious to hear from Dogs fans on this. Yeah, how, do you, how do you feel about this? Are you happy to see the back of him? Did anyone at the time think for a moment that his league career was really over? You know, cynics, cynics would suggest it was always his plan. No, I retired, fall out of love all of a sudden. Only ever wanted to get back to Brisbane. And guess what? Head pokes up at Red Hill. Maybe he plays half a season. 
Brisbane aiming to go one better after that heartbreaking loss to Penrith. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the next six months or so. Uh, Panther Stadium gets an upgrade. So they're going to add another, what, 2,500 seats. It's going to cost over 300 million bucks. They consulted with fans, keep the hills at both northern and southern end. And they say, oh, well, with a view to seeing a women's team, a Panthers NRLW side. Do you, do you see bang for buck in this, honestly? 300 mil for a couple of new stadiums, uh, grandstands, rather? Because outside of Penrith, I mean, who, who uses Bluebet Stadium? Who uses Panther Park? I, I don't see the value. I don't see the value. And even though TPJ left the Bulldogs, have they expressed interest in Taylor May, would you believe? So another Penrith player. That is on their radar. Surprise, surprise. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Look, this whole Australia date, the cricket story, has caused quite a stir, hasn't it? I was fascinated to read uh, Connie's article yesterday in the Herald, Malcolm Conn, about Steve Smith. Who I love Steve Smith, but you know, let's call a spade a spade. He's a pretty, pretty beige dude, Steve Smith. Now, he's come out and backed... Pat Cummins' stance on Australia Day saying, you know what, maybe the date should be changed to make it more inclusive. And he spoke on the eve of the second test. Schmidt said he consulted squad member Scott Boland, who, as we know, has an Indigenous background, spoke to him about the issue. He said, I've spoken to Scott about this just the other day. And as Australians, you want all Australians to celebrate that day and all Australians don't do that the way it is at the moment. Maybe... See how he sort of tempered his language there, SPD. Maybe this is the way forward to have all Australians celebrate on that day. It's the first time that Cummins has captained Australia on Jan 26 in a test. Says, I love Australia. But I think we can probably find a more appropriate date to celebrate it. And he said, likewise, he's spoken to Ash Gardner, spoken to Scott Boland, reinforcing his belief that another date should be used for the national celebration. And the captain said, knowing a couple of those players, you hear the stories, they're feeling something that does gather extra importance. It's hard because Jan 26 means something different to different people. I think we're all in unison that we absolutely love Australia, feel lucky and privileged to be here in this country. It's a delicate one. It's going to be a tough day for some. See, this is the thing. People want to go at Pat Cummins. Oh, some shock jock is angry with Pat Cummins. Some wannabe shock jock at Sky After Dark is angry at Pat Cummins. Pretty... Pretty inoffensive stuff, I would have thought. Not exactly hard-hitting. Pretty measured commentary from Pat Cummins. By the way, they reckon about 25,000 predicted for day one, 30,000 on Friday, which is Australia. As I said before, the cyclone drifts down the coast and threatens rain. Look, bottom line is this. Bottom line is this. Sport and politics, forget about they don't mix, they shouldn't mix, but they do. That is the reality. Sport is no different. So let's get that straight. Now think about it easy. If Cricket Australia, if Cricket Australia was genuinely anti-Australia Day, they wouldn't have played on that day. They wouldn't, but they are. Ash Garner doesn't want to. And I go back to what Pat Cummins says. He prefaced his answer to a question, so he's asked a question about it, saying, "I absolutely love Australia. It's the best country in the world by a mile." I would have thought that is a pretty patriotic preamble by the Test captain. You know, but suggesting that perhaps, just perhaps, or in Steve Smith's words, maybe another date might might be more appropriate is hardly an outlandish statement. In fact, it's in step with about 40% of the population. You know, there is so much about this country, great nation Australia, that deserves to be celebrated. But what 
I despise, and call me woke, whatever you want, what I despise is enforced patriotism. You know, it doesn't need to be foisted upon us. And, and decking yourself out in cheap Chinese-made trinkets and Aussie flag bodies, it doesn't make you more Australian. Can we be more sophisticated than that, please? So just because an individual or an organisation decides to sidestep all the crude jingoism doesn't reflect their love of country or lack thereof. And the thing about it is if someone as mild-mannered as Steve Smith is saying, hey, maybe another date, let's talk about it, could be more appropriate, hardly controversial. You may have a thought on that. Happy to discuss that. 0457 736 736. The open line number 1300 Anyway, let's hope we see the best of the West Indies. Shamar Joseph, he was the story of the first test. You know, to catch the boat to the island and only started playing first-class cricket a year or two ago. Quite remarkable. And this Kirk McKenzie, he looks the goods. Very stylish batsman. Hey, Cameron Green's got COVID, by the way. So too the coach, Andrew McDonald. But he will play regardless, Cameron Green. So he's shown the big West Australian that he's not only good at catching cricket balls in the gully, he's good at catching viruses as well. Now, this was a big story. And don't forget, this is the wonderful thing. SEN is your home at cricket. You can also tune into this thrilling series about to get underway between India and England. And I'll tell you what, all the news prior to the first ball being bowled was in and around this, this uncapped spinner Shoei Bashir, who's ruled out of the first test. He was forced to return home to resolve visa issues, would you believe? Now, he's a 20-year-old Muslim of Pakistani heritage. There you go. But he's British porn. He was unable to join the rest of the squad flying to India. This is from a training camp in Abu Dhabi ahead of the series opener. That's in Hyderabad starts today. Because they delayed his visa application. People should be outraged by this. They should be outraged by this. Apparently Stokes, he said, we won't go until his visa is cleared as well. But they went anyway. So Shah Bashir applied for his visa at the same time as the rest of the team. He's got a British passport. The kid was born in Surrey. So, the follow-up question is, well, why wasn't he granted a visa? I know why, you know why. This is shameful from the Indian authorities. We saw the shenanigans with Usman Khawaja's visa. It's also happened previously, I believe, with Moen Ali or a couple of other players. It's appalling stuff. And if England had any balls, they'd protest. But in the end, you know what it is? This is a power relationship. They don't have the power... And they pick three spinners as well. So, I mean, the thing about it is this 20-year-old kid could possibly have made his test debut. Possibly. Had petty politics not intervened. Who said sport and politics don't mix? Australian Open last night. Carlos Alcaraz is out. He played an absolute barry. I thought he was immoral here. And he went down to the most loved player in the game, Alex Verev. 61636764. So Zverev will now take on Medvedev for a spot in the final. Of course, he's got those domestic violence allegations hanging over him. At the moment, Zverev, which is funny. He gets asked about this in the press conference. Wow, I didn't expect that. What did you expect, Chair? What else were you expecting? Pending trial over sexual assault allegations in 2020. Novak Djokovic, this is going to be a cracker. We'll take on Italian Yannick Sinner in the other quarterfinal. Sinner hasn't dropped a set at the tournament. He actually beat Djokovic a couple of times at the back end of last season. The thing is, is that they only play him over three sets. Of course, majors five sets. This is where Novak has the advantage, and Novak coming off that hard-fought full-set win over American Taylor Fritz. Women's semi-final action tonight, Coco Goff up against the second seed, Sabalinka. That, of course, is a repeat of the US Open final in which the American tribe, that's a big, big match. And the other semi features this Ukrainian qualifier, Diana Yastremska. That is a story, isn't it? 
the first qualifier, Strength Group, 46 years to make a semi at the Australian Open. She takes on Zheng, the 12th seed from China. 0457736736 now. The T20 squad to play the West Indies was named. Maxie's back, Glenn Maxwell, the big show. They're sober as a judge too, I'm reliably informed. But the thing about it is, Michael Neese, a great last night. Spencer Johnson, superb. Not there. Not on the side. And it's a pretty strong bowling outfit. You know, Jai Richardson, Jason Berendorf and, and Nathan Ellis. But no Neese and no Johnson. I know Barat's a big Neese fan. Should they have waited until after the Big Bash final to announce a squad? Both wonderful cricketers. This got me thinking. I like to do this once a year. You know, Jules likes a trip down memory lane, right? Who are some of the, the quality first-class cricketers over the years? You know, the ones whose exploits have helped make the Sheffield Shield, for example, the best domestic comp in the world. So you think about your, your big Phil Alleys, your Joe Scuderis, your Darren Chuckberries, your Dirk Tazzalas, Daddy Buckingham from Tasmania, Graeme Vinparty. Let's have a, bit, a think about this, a bit of fun on the program this afternoon. 0457736736. Some of the great names in first-class Australian cricket over the years that didn't play for Australia, maybe should have, or only played one or two, but should have played a hand for more. Jamie Cox springs to mind. 0457736736. Ashley Nofke. Come on, Queensland listeners. Remember him? I know Johnny Buchanan was a massive Ashley Nofke fan. So we could talk about that. Australia Day. Tavita Pangai Jr., what money he ends up at Red Hill. Plenty on the program. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number. We are up and running this Thursday afternoon. Jules in the chair on summer afternoons. Jules in the chair, Erisian, summer afternoons. Great to have your company right across the listening area. 0457 736 736. A few people want to have their say in Australia Day. The other thing there is having a bit of fun about this or with this, with Spencer Johnson's omission, Michael Neese's omission. We're talking about the great first-class cricketers over the years, some of the best names, like your Dirk Tazalars and your Graeme Vimpanis and your Phil Allies. Uh, Skip from Robertson, good afternoon to you. Greg Mail, Donnie Nash. New South Wales players at fill spots for years while 70% of the team were out in Australian duties. Yeah, that's true. Donnie Nash had called him on you. Oh, the, the Weber. Weber Barbie, his big, thick-set torso on the little legs. <laughs> uh, ben says Stuart Law, and I think you meant to say Martin Love. You've written Martian Love. I think that's what Captain Kirk got in some of his exploits, didn't he, in space? Uh, thank you, Benny. Stewie Law, of course, one test, got a half-century. Ricky Ponting's debut. And not out. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy to the open line we go. G'day, Simon. Hey, buddy. How are you? Really well. Hey, look, Pat Cummins was asked for his uh, opinion about Australia Day, and he gave it. I don't think yep. we should, um, anyone should uh, have anything to say. He's allowed to have his opinion. And maybe instead of, um, maybe a solution to it is, is maybe we should just pick the last Friday or the, first Monday in February and just have an Australia week, Australia Day weekend. Um, yeah. Might solve all their problems and keep everyone happy. Well, look, there's no perfect solution to this, Simon, but it's a really good point you make. He was asked a question, people say. Oh, no one's to hear his views. Well, he was asked a question. You know, Pat Cummins yeah. is not what I'd call a cultural warrior by any stretch of the imagination. No. And the first thing he said, I just want to say that this is the best country in the world. We love Australia. It's a, you know, that's, that's pretty patriotic stuff. You know, and he's and he tempered. You listen to the language, you know, perhaps and maybe and things like that. You know, so you know some of the outrage I think is a bit confected on that front, Simon. True, true, but no, keep up the good work, guys. 
Appreciate it. Good on you, mate. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Jules, uh, is that what you call a team effort from the heat last night? Everyone played their part. Wonder if any other player has ever um, finished for a golden. Ah, oh, finished their career, I guess, with a golden duck like sock. I don't know, Andy. I don't know. I'm sure someone has. Uh, we'll get our research team on that. Uh, no wonder Tavita had enough Venerella to playing with the dogs. Harsh. Harsh. And uh, Jay's the missile Magnuson. See, Brooksy is with us today. He's a mad Steelers slash Dragons fan, as am I, as you know. And then the missile had the hide to say, ha ha, imagine a Dragons fan throwing shade at, at the dogs. I said, hey, glass houses, pal. I think he's just salty because we got Kyle. And uh, one before the news, Dom says, look, if it's not January 26, what day is it? I, I don't know, Dom. That's why we have discussions and conversations about these things and consultations about these things. They all keep saying, I'm sure we can find a better day. I've not heard anyone say day. Why is that? If you choose another day, it wouldn't mean anything because nothing happened of significance on another day. Well, you know, if you agree to it and people come together, you know, the day itself can probably be arbitrary, I would have thought, Dom. Yes, what happened on Jan 26 is not great for Indigenous people. What followed in the years wasn't great either. We're looking at that from today's social standards. Also, if it was in the English that settled, it would have just been another country, possibly like China or other countries. History shows that the settlements were even worse than what happened here. We should recognise what happened was wrong, but it could have been worse. Yeah, but that's not the right way to look. Oh, I understand that. We, the thing is, Don will never know if it would have been worse. But the point is that there were people here and it got stolen from them. You know, facts are facts. The other thing too, just, just more, and I don't want to get you know into a debate about Australia Day too deeply, but, I mean, Jan 26 is when the colony of New South Wales was established. You know, we weren't federated to 1901, so on that on that fact alone, historical fact alone, it's probably not the most suitable date. If you want to pick Australia Day, pick the date it was federated January 1, but who's going to do it on New Year's Day? Thank you, Don. Appreciate that. 0457 736 736. Let's get the latest news headlines. James says, uh, Jules, Luke Butterworth played in four first-class finals, took 15 wickets at 24.2, scored 411 runs at 58.7, including a century... And 350s, there's a blast from the past. Talking about the great names in first-class cricket today. Uh, Steve says, first-class cricketers, Jules, always thought Ryan Campbell had great potential. Did he invent the lap shot? Remember, he played for Australia a couple of times. Had that famous rap, Ryan Campbell. Good cricketer, really good cricketer. Uh, Timmy says, just not Australia Day, Jules. I totally agree with your comments around Pat Cummins, saying that maybe we should just change the day for Australia to keep everyone happy. What is wrong with that? Good on him and good on love your work. The other thing that drives... Some of the right-wing culture warriors crazy is that he's successful. Is that he keeps winning. You know, none of this go woke, go broke. Remember Morris Newman's comments in the paper? Jules, if they change the date uh, of Australia, will they be happy or onto something else? It never ends on and on, Gary. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that, Gary. Megan Davis, who I've got enormous respect for, she's on the ARL commission, said something similar. It doesn't mean that we don't have the conversation. And this is the thing, well, I say 60% of people want to keep the date. I mean, does it surprise you that 40% don't give a rat's if we change it? If you polled Americans, would you change 4th of July? How many would say yes? If you polled French, would you change Bastille date? How many would say yes? That's the thing. If Cummins and co. wanted to keep Australia Day on January 26, do you think they would have the guts to say anything? I think we know the answer to that, Rooster Must. I don't know. I guess we'll never know. People are say, saying that because he's in step with his paymaster. No, he's a pretty authentic guy, Pat Cummins. He means what he says and he says what he means. Spencer Johnson, Troy and Georgie. Good to hear from you, Troy and Georgie. Always like your text messages. Good morning, Julian. Spencer Johnson proves fast bowling is a priceless commodity. No off-pace deliveries, just close to express pace. 
This just reinforces the imperative of Cricket Australia allocating funds to establishing an express pace sperm bank seeking contributions from the elite. Tomo, Dennis Hickey, Brent Lee, Sean Tate, and now Spencer Johnson. Debonair. He's debonair. That beautiful hair that he has too. Extremely quick. Pace bowling is all that important in all forms of cricket. Well, you know, to steal a line from the great Jack Gibson, he said you can't coach speed. You can't really coach it in cricket. That's the thing. You ask any batter, you go 130 to 140, you can manage that. 140 to 150 is a huge jump. A huge jump. And even the great test batsman will tell you, well, even if you play it well, you know, pace is tough. You're always nervous. Always nervous. I'm sick of hearing about Australia Day, Jules. I spent time working in Indigenous, indigenous communities. We've spoken about this with a number of uncles. I can tell you that they all had more concerning issues than worrying about changing a date. I believe that. Mr Quintessential. Afternoon, Jules. I'm sorry, but your figures are distorted. In a recent poll that had a large response, only 17% of Australians wanted the date changed. Why have we become so unpatriotic and bowing to the minority? The thing about it is, Mr Quintessential, I just don't think patriotism's measured by you know, how heavily you can drape yourself in the Aussie flag. I love my country. You know, if people want to go to the cricket and sell, good, congratulations, do that. I'm not one of those. I don't begrudge anyone that does. I'm not going to call you unpatriotic if you decide not to. I'm not going to howl you down if you decide to do that. But let's just keep the conversation going because clearly, clearly there's a rift, there's a divide in and around that date at the moment. Someone left out who should have played for Australia's former Queensland keeper, Ray Phillips, is Mark from River. Think about the Queens. Isn't it funny just on the Queenslanders? And this is, you know, death taxes. They used to say death taxes in 100 at Adelaide. Now it's death taxes. And if Kerry falls over, why isn't Jimmy Pearson's name in the conversation for the keeping gig? Why do we assume it's going to be Josh Inglis next cab off the rank? Pearson's clearly the best clubman. I remember the same arguments when it came to Wade Seckham. Very good player. They stick to their own. Well done to the Brisbane Heat. Spencer Johnson can count himself desperately unlucky not to make that Aussie T20 squad. Having said that, I mean, the guys in there, Lance Morris, you know, Jai Richardson, who I massive rap on, Jason Berendorf, they're all, all class bowlers. But Nisa, any other era, he's one of those any other era players, Michael Nisa, who could have played a stack more test matches. He can bat, he can bowl, he can field. There's nothing he can't do. Good looking fella too. Jules, legend in Queensland cricket, Sammy Trimble. Then his son Glenn got picked for Australia in a one-dayer. Well, that uh, nervous couldn't land on the pitch and rank full tosses. Gonski after that. You know, I don't know if you caught my show, uh, Andy, showing my age. Trevor Barsby was doing Warner way back then. Should have played for Australia. Andy D, when I did a quiz filling in for Matt White over the summer, it would have been, what, the first or second week of January, and I did a cricket quiz, and there was a question about Glenn Trimble. Because I think Wayne Phillips might have missed a stumping, but he dropped a sitter of a catch and he went for 40 off about four overs. That was against, I think it was against New Zealand. Look, his dad was a better better player. The other one too, Martin Kent, very stylish Queenslander. Probably should have played more for Australia. Some really good names though. Jules says, Simon, a few names from yesteryear that either didn't get a test cap or only a handful. Jamie Siddons, yeah, I mean, prolific first-class run scorer. Jamie Cox, another one. Those were the back of the day. You know, J.B. Cox, 1,000 runs field seasons. Now if you get 600, you're in the test frame. Michael Divinuto, yeah, Diver is the batting coach at the moment. He played a few one days. Dave Hussey, really good player. Adam Dale, still taker of one of the best outfield catches of all time, Adam Dale. If you haven't seen it, just Google Adam Dale catch. Brad Williams. Brad Williams is the one that was 
I think Brad Williams chaired Steve Waugh off the ground in his final test match against India in that 03-04 series. And he didn't even play the test. He was quick, though, Brad Williams. And the other one, just on Jamie Cox there, Simon. Do you remember the name of his opening partner from Tasmania? Cox and who? If you know the answer, 0457 736 736, Cox and who? A few Western Australian noms coming in. Mike Valletta. Mike Valletta played a, hand, played a fair bit for Australia. Mark Lavender. There's a cracking name that we haven't heard for a while. Joe Scuderi's popular. Paul Rofe, another, Queens, another South Australian. Queenslander Peter Cantrell. And Trevor Barsby. And just on Trevor Barsby too. Do you remember that show? And I'm probably showing my age here. Do you remember that really bad uh, sort of soap opera, Australian soap opera that went by the name of Paradise Beach? Remember that show? Probably only lasted a season or two. And I'd just come back from a trip to surfers last week. And this stuck out to me, showed my cricket nerdism when I was at school at the time, how I reckon they just took the names of the characters from Queensland cricketers. Because in that show, there was a Barsby, there was a Hayden, and there was another one. It's like a, a law or something it might have been. And I think, there's a script writer go, we need some, we need some last names, some pretty... You know, vanilla last names of cricketers. Um, just have a look at the Queensland teams. Go Barsby, Hayden, and whoever the other one was. Uh, well done to Jeremy and to Brett. It was Dean Hills. D-E-N-E, and an extra mark for spelling as well. D-E-N-E, Hills. 0457 Jules, I'm try- not trying to be facetious. How would anyone know about the Shield players when you never see it on the telly? I'm from New Zealand, so things may have been different in the past, uh, says Tim. Well, we knew about it at the time even if they weren't on the telly. I mean, you followed them closely enough, but they didn't have all the one-day... Sorry, they didn't have all the white ball cricket in and around it. So in the lead-up to the Test summer, all the focus was on Sheffield Shield cricket in terms of who would be selected, particularly when it came to touring squads. Rooster Muzz, hello to you. In a democracy, doesn't majority rule? Why do these left-wing nut jobs our current Prime Minister included showing your colours, Rooster Muzz? Always expect and demand, in a lot of cases, the majority pander to their divisive... Crap, Australia Day is January 26th. Always has been. Well, that's debatable. It hasn't always been Jan 26th, but that's a, a different discussion. Always should be. If they don't want to play, then don't. Well, they do want to play. Just in terms of the degree of celebration, Rooster. I know you and I differ on this kind of stuff. I get that. I know plenty of uh, Indigenous people that would loudly and proudly represent our country in Australia Day. Thank you, Rooster Mars. Always good to get your thoughts. Jules, Peter Anderson. Keeper in the 80s and 90s for Queensland. Got injured with a broken finger and Healy takes his place in the Queensland Shield team. After four matches, Heels gets picked for a test. This is Pilliger Pete. Uh, you know, that's fascinating. I remember, Pete, an old sort of cricket magazine we had. And they got, you know, Richie and Tony Gregg and Trapillion to pick their future Australian teams. And a lot of them had Anderson as their keeper. And you're right. You know, they trialled a few, didn't they, before Healy... Yeah, Wayne Phillips keeping and, you know, Stumper and Greg Dyer and all that sort of crew. And then they picked Healy. And a wonderful, you know, wonderful cricketer and part of the family here at SEN Heels. But you're right, Peter Anderson. And the other bloke who kept Heels out of, oh, I should know this, it might have been a schoolboys team, ended up playing fullback for the South Sydney Rabbitohs was who? 0457 736 736. Peter Cantrell played for Holland. Uh, well done, 654. Thank you very much. Yes, it was Bronco Jura. Touts fullback. Gun keeper at the time. 
Actually, Captain Healy out, or I think it was a schoolboys team. We should text Heels and try and get the answer on that. I'm sure he's told it a thousand times. And a good one here from Gavin before we get to another break. Wayne Cracker Holdsworth and spinner David Friedman. So great to reminisce about the good old days when state cricket actually meant something. Do you remember, you know, back in the day, Gavin, when they talked about who you'd pick for certain test venues. So the whack was always fast and bouncy. Do you go with the four quicks? Adelaide was the batter's paradise and it turns day five. Brisbane, you know, a bit in it early, great for batting. Melbourne had the trampoline bounce and Sydney was always the, the Bunsen murder, right? The, the spinner's paradise. So every time they went to the Sydney test, they flirted with the idea of David Freeman as a left-arm wrist spinner of playing. and never did, but he's just, his name always came up in conversation and I always wonder, in hindsight, how close he really was to ever been selected, Dave Friedman. But there's a name we've not heard for a long, long time. 0457 736 736. A break and back with plenty more here on SEN Summer Afternoons. Welcome back, everyone. Second hour of the program. Julian King in the chair for Jimmy Smith on SEN Summer Afternoons. A final hour of the show before we hand the reins over to Jared and Flem and Ian Healy and the rest of the team. For every ball of the Brisbane Day-Night Test, live from the Gabba, it kicks off at 2 o'clock Australian Eastern Daylight Time, 1 o'clock in Queensland. We'll catch up with Barat Cinderace and our dear friend, very, very short leader. Well, isn't that at Whisper and get a few final thoughts ahead of the second test and the last test too, before they decide to demolish the Gabba. I drove past the Gabba last week and had a quiet moment of self-reflection and thinking about the exploits of Sam Trimble and many, many others. Now, I've done some research just on that program, Paradise Beach, and I mentioned how it seems like the writers, when they came up with character names, decided just to raid the first-class ranks of Queensland cricket back in the day, in the 90s. And they had the surnames. I mentioned Barsby and Hayden. They also had a McDermott, Craig McDermott, and they had a Ritchie, with a T as well. Trevor Barsby, Matt Hayden, Craig McDermott, and Fat Cat Greg Ritchie. So there you go. For that reason alone, it is worth watching. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number and the text line number 0457 736 736. Just recapping. Uh, some of the news in the tennis, uh, Al- Carlos Alcaraz is out of the Australian Open, went down four sets to the German Alexander Zverev. He played a shocker, Alcaraz. He got that third set tiebreak. We thought, is that going to be enough? He had one of his worst games in some time. Zverev was excellent. And now Alex Zverev will take on Daniel Medvedev for a spot in the final. And meanwhile, Novak Djokovic will take on Italian Yannick Sinner in the other semi-final. That's tomorrow. Uh, doubles as well during the day session includes Matt Ebden today. Night session, the women's semi-finals. Coco Goff up against Sabalenka in a replay. Well, not strictly a replay, but a rematch of the US Open final. Then you've got this qualifier. First qualifier to make the semis in 46 years. The Ukrainian Yastremska, who takes on the 12th seed Chinese player Zheng. And spotted at Broncos training, Tavita Pengai Jr. Set tongues wagging. Are we going to see a return? of TPJ at Red Hill, maybe around June, July. For half a season, get him for 250 grand. That would be quite the coup. And we have been discussing the program today some of the great names in first-class cricket. Can you top Dirk Taslar and Graeme Vimpani, Jamie Cox and Dean Hills and Danny Buckingham from Tasmania and a host of others. Had a lot of fun with that on the show today. Somebody mentioned uh, Sean Graff. They said, Jules, did you know Sean Graff's nickname was Porno? No, I didn't know that, but I do now. One three hundred oh one, eleven seventy is it? Yeah, our listeners are smart. They are very, very smart. Now, the second test, the final test, Australia and the West Indies gets underway this afternoon. As I mentioned, catch all the action live right here on SEN. It's a day-night affair at the Gabba, and as we mentioned, the last test before the demolition. Uh, will we see a demolition 
on the field. Shamar Joseph impressed in Adelaide. Kirk McKenzie, he looks very impressive too. And a man who always looks impressive with his colourful get-up is Barat Sundarason. He's on the line right now. Barat, hello. Uh, hello, Jules. Uh, how are you doing? It's, uh, it's a balmy one here in Brisbane. Uh, so, yes, I am. I do have some colour on, but uh, I do regret a couple of decisions I've made this morning with what I did. <laughs> Just remember, radio is theatre. You can wear your underpants in the com box and we won't think less of you, Barat. Look, the thing is, most of the things I wear look like underpants anyway. Stuff that I wear to bed, so I get away with it. <laughs> You're the Superman. You can wear them on the outside and, and uh, people would say it's fashionable. We're talking today on the program, having a lot of fun with this, Barat, is uh, some of the great first-class players, you know, the the stalwarts of Sheffield Shield competition mm. year go by. I know Adelaide and South Australia is close to your heart. We've had some good nominations this yep. morning. Joe Scudera. Do you remember a couple of the other quicks, if you recall? Mark Harrity and Paul Rofe. Do you remember those yeah. names, Barat? Good players. Oh, very much so. Mark Harrity had that extra pace about him, didn't he? And I've spoken to a lot of guys who faced Mark Harrity. Uh, he was at his peak, and yeah, they... Always talk about the, his pace, and uh, especially facing him at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, but yeah, Joe Scuderi you mentioned as well. I mean, I also then uh, went on to become a heavy metal drummer, didn't he? So I have that. <laughs> there as well. uh, you should him, jam with him. Of, I really wish I I do. I, I'm sure the time will be right, and when the time's right, I will do that. But I mean, you can't go past when you talk all South Australians. A bit more recent, but Callum Ferguson. Uh, you know, what, what he did for South Australian cricket. And, uh, you know, it's still uh, something that rankles everyone in South Australia that he just played one test match, uh, you know, that infamous summer as well. So I had yeah. the, the privilege of uh, calling his final first-class innings. He almost got 100, almost got South Australia over the line. Mm. So uh, we'll always stay connected in that fashion, Callum and I. But he's become a wonderful broadcaster as well uh, and one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. Yeah, he's a great. I was at that test too, South Africa 2016. Uh, right. Goodness me! Yeah, it was uh, a pivotal moment, wasn't it? <laughs> they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough aggro, did they? So they decided to drop Peter Neville as though that was going to solve the problems. But poor fellow, you know, one test. Joe Many's only test too, if you recall. And Callum yeah, got run absolutely. out, uh, much to the disappointment of his brother, who threw his drink down in disgust, and he oh, never played again. Mark Cosgrove, actually, there's a name that springs to mind. It was a, a yep. very Gifted cricketer too, Mark Cosgrove, but South Australia and later uh, Tasmania. Okay, uh, just on that too, the important issues before we get on to the test, uh, Michael Neeser, and I know you've been a, a torchbearer for Michael Neeser for so many years. Yep. There's nothing he can't do. Bat bowl, he's shown time and time again in the Big Bash how, how world-class his fielding is. Uh, they named the T20 squad, uh, no Neeser, no Spencer Johnson. Uh, should they perhaps have waited until after the Big Bash final? Uh, I really think if you're listening to this and you are a follower of the hashtag Nisama Slay campaign, you should boycott that one-day series. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Michael Nisa will be the first guy who will get upset if you do that because uh, it's just, you know, there are cricketers, there are athletes who may not get the, the honours at the highest level that some others do, uh, but they become cult heroes, right? And, and look, long before I started the campaign, Michael Nisa was a name that uh, everybody in Australia who followed first-class cricket uh, uh, was a fan of. I mean, there's something about uh, the spirit he brings to every performance with ball, with bat, and, and he's become the human highlight reel, hasn't he? Uh, you yeah. know, we are in uh, Royal Rumble season. He's, he's almost like one of those wrestlers who 
might not win the Royal Rumble, but they'll always give you that OMG moment. And that is Michael Nisa, QRT. Uh, and, you know, he's produced so many of them already in this BBO season. And, you know, uh, you know I can only say so much about his first-class numbers in county cricket and shield cricket, with bat, with ball. Uh, he, but I think he'll just go down as one of those cricketers where uh, he'll always be everybody's second favorite cricketer. And I think mm. this, is a, this is a great title to have. My favorite, obviously, of all time, but like a yeah, second yes. favorite for everyone else. Indeed. Okay. Uh, if ha- have you had a chance to have a look at the pitch for this match later on this afternoon? Steve Smith said he's intrigued as to how it's going to play. Uh, given a day-nighter and given the pink ball, there is a green tinge. Often green tinges can be deceiving, but do we have, a, I guess, a prognostication from you, Barat? I mean, if uh, you want to talk in ice cream flavours, it's gone from looking like a rich pistachio green a couple of days ago <laughs> to, to more, uh, and, but it seems to be having influenced a lot more by, by an almond, uh, almond addition. It, it, it's more pistachio almond. It, that's what the pitch looks like in terms of colour. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. And then you add the pink ball to it as well, like a dollop of pink on top. Uh, it always makes for intriguing cricket. And uh, I think, uh, so that's going to be uh, interesting to see how it plays. The sun is out. So a couple of days ago with the cloud cover in, there was some talk, oh, maybe Australia might want to feel first. But then it's so hot, I would be very surprised uh, if either captain uh, decides to do anything but bat. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, isn't it? I mean, I think Pat Cummins perhaps took a few by surprise when he won the toss in Adelaide and elected to send mm. the West Indies in. You know, Sandersky, the, the groundskeeper, said, look, it would still be a traditional Gabba surface, which you know, is always the one that, that has a bit in it, doesn't it, the first day, first session or two, and then tends to flatten out. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think uh, that's, that's what this pitch looks like at the moment, Joe, to be honest. But the only thing is, because it's the pink ball, and then there's the added element of this test match being played at the end of uh, January, where, um, well, like I've noticed, the sun goes down by around 6.20. And uh, by the time the third session starts, it's, it's pitch black or it's completely in, under the influence of the floodlights. So it's not much of a twilight here in Brisbane, is there? So I guess that also will come into play. Uh, and don't be surprised if you see a couple of interesting declarations as this test match progresses. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they say you shouldn't look to the weather radar to determine how you play a game of cricket, but you know, surely that has to come into consideration. Tipping, what, heavy rain, I think, day three, mm. wasn't it, Barat? Yeah, but I think the forecast, depending on um, how you look at life, <laughs> seems to be improving with every, uh, with every hour, uh, for Saturday, that is, so... Uh, I think day four and day five still look pretty bad, but I think it's it's improved. And as we saw in Adelaide, against this batting lineup that West Indies have brought, you can run through them. I mean, they've been impressive with the ball, but uh, I think Australia will back themselves. And which is why I think uh, I won't be surprised if it, uh, a couple of declarations will get which will keep uh, which will get people talking. And Pat Cummins has shown in the last few years that as bowling captain, he doesn't mind doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. He did it in Adelaide last year against the West Indies when you didn't expect it, uh, and it worked out. So uh, if Australia bat first, and if they can quickly get to anywhere near 350 or so, do not be surprised if they just pull the plug and get, what, uh, an hour or so bowling tonight mm. on, at the West Indies. Yeah, I think you might be right. Now, Cameron Green has, has COVID. He's cleared to play. It, it just, can you just clarify for us, Brad? There needs to be social distancing in the field. Is that right? Uh, there, there has to be social distancing everywhere. I mean, it's uh, every time you hear the word COVID, the first, the next thing you hear is social distancing, doesn't it? So, 
I think that that will be the case. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to get on an escalator, Jules, which I'm not sure whether it's moving or not. So, uh, well, the, <laughs> the lines <laughs> play, play tricks with the eyes. <laughs> They do, don't they? Um, but uh, you know, so I, I think he will. He will obviously play a big part in this game. Uh, but he'll have to isolate whenever he's not playing. There's, there's, there is an isolation quarantine room, I think, uh, just about the dressing room, which has been in place since the mm. peak um, COVID period. So uh, he'll be there. Uh, and even when the game's on, uh, he uh, on the field. I don't think anyone will celebrate anything with him. So he can take the greatest catch. The world has ever seen, but nobody's going to give him a hug after that. So, uh, <laughs> the air five from there a distance. There will be a lot of alone time for him. Pretty much, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how Steve Smith goes in this test match. You know, it's it's hard to get a read, wasn't it? A small sample size in Adelaide. He got a good one that he probably didn't need to play, to be honest, from Shamar Joseph in the first innings. Looked good in the second innings, but but no pressure on him in, in the chase. So, you know, there's no harder yeah. marker on himself than, than Steve Smith. Uh, how, yeah. I guess, you know, how much time do they give him to establish himself in that new role? It's pretty unprecedented. You know, if he goes yeah, to, if he is, fails here, if he fails in New Zealand, you know, I, I wonder what the selectors think beyond that. Yeah, I mean, considering you don't play test cricket till uh, November when India come and play mm. the big five test match series. So I, I don't think because it's Steve Smith, I don't think it'll be a case of, oh, you get X number of matches to prove yourself. I think it'll also be more a case of what he looks like, how comfortable he is, and how much he's enjoying the role. And I can tell you that he's already, uh, I said this before the last test, that he looks like someone who's just about to go to a new school. And he <laughs> is he's still in that phase. It's still the honeymoon period for him when it comes to opening the batting. So uh, I don't see the excitement level going anywhere. So when you put all those into consideration, I don't see... Um, you know, him not succeeding, and, well, who knows, this could be, well be the test where he does put a marker as opener. Australia Day discussions always get emotional, don't they? We've, even on the text line today, opinion's been very divided. Mm. The, the thing that strikes me about Pat Cummins, Barat, is that he's always very thoughtful and very measured he in is. his comments. He is, about everything, right? Like, he does have strong beliefs, and so you would want your uh, leader to have whatever uh, you do in life. And I think that's the most impressive aspect of Pat Cummins. That's a good bowler he is. And uh, everything else has he do- that he does as captain, test cricket, one-way cricket, uh, World Cup winning captain as well. But you're right. I mean, he's never just um, like a hash job. Like he just doesn't like um, say stuff for the sake of saying it. Or neither does he shy away from backing up his beliefs, and which is... Uh, which is what you heard from him, um, you know, when he was asked about uh, his stand on Australia Day. And it's interesting, right? I'll tell you something that happened this morning with me. Like, so I just go to this uh, cafe to get some, uh, get myself a coffee. And um, this guy walks in and uh, he's, you know, the, the two people running the cafe were also uh, arguably of South Asian origin. So he just looks at the three of us and uh, says, oh, I, I hope you guys are celebrating Australia Day tomorrow. Because it is a great country, and there are a lot of people who are trying to bring this country down. But don't listen to them. You better celebrate it. And I was like, wow, okay. So, mm. you know, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about how it continues to divide opinions. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. So then when you have someone like Pat Cummins who stands up for it and says, you know what? Uh, and, and he was backed up by Steve Smith as well. Like, you know, who's generally rather apolitical, safe to say. Yeah, pretty vanilla. Career, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and it's good to good to hear uh, such leaders of Australian sport, uh, you know, back up 
what uh, seems to be uh, the you know seems to be where the team stands uh, about such uh, uh, like like a contentious issue if you want to call it that. One more thing, just on sport and politics, because I know it's a loaded issue. Um, your thoughts, uh, of course, running parallel to this Test match, and you'll hear it live as well on, mm. on SEN India. England going to be a fascinating series, but Shah Bashir uh, ruled out forced mm. return home to resolve visa issues. Applied the same day as the rest of the England side. They were all let in. He was not English-born, but of course, a Muslim of Pakistani heritage. Is this yeah. concerning yeah. to you, yeah. Barat? Well, as someone who uh, went through something very similar two years ago when I tried to get into Pakistan and my visa was delayed as well, look, I'm not saying for one second and comparing myself to a test cricketer who has missed out on playing a test match, but uh, it is unfortunate, Jules, but that's just how it seems to be. I mean, it's been for a long time. I mean, if you are not just Pakistani, but of Pakistani origin, getting an Indian visa is as difficult as if you are an Indian or of Indian origin trying to get a Pakistani visa. And I think it is a matter that goes well beyond the the remit of BCCI or cricket. I mean, I know there is a big, big English media presence right now in, in India for this big series, as you would expect. And it has become a big news story. But uh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not condoning it, but it, it's just what it is. And there are protocols in place. And Thing where the ECB maybe kind of uh, missed, missed uh, a, a point in the protocol is that uh, you need to be in your home country when the visa gets issued. They just assumed, I guess, that like every other player who was in the UAE, every other English player, he would get yeah. his visa over there as well or hand delivered. That's not happened, but I'm glad it's been resolved and he he's on his way to India from what I hear. Uh, but, I mean, like you said, it's good to have a measured opinion on something like this and just like you know, shouting from the rooftops like a lot of people have and calling the BCCI out and all of that. I, I think it goes well beyond that. Yeah, it's going to be a good test match too. They've gone in with three spinners and the quick, so fascinating to see how that plays out. Plenty to discuss. Uh, thank you, as always, Barat. Uh, safe travels on the escalator, and we'll catch you shortly on SEN. <laughs> yeah, no worries. And so good that we're getting to hear the India-England test from the SEN app as well, right? So... It's wonderful. You can tune in. Both test matches start at the same time. How cool is that? Yep. Very, very cool. Yep. Australia and West Indies and, of course, India and England. Thank you, Barat. We'll catch up with you shortly along with Jared Waitley, Damien Fleming, Ian Healy and the rest of the team for every ball of the Brisbane Day-Night Test, the second test live from the Gabba. It commences. The coverage commences 2 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time this afternoon, 1 o'clock in Queensland. Breaking back with more SEN Summer Afternoons. Don't forget the crossover. Victoria Denham, the president of the Sydney Flames, will join me shortly on the program. We've got the hard out the headlines at 1.30, at 12.30 in Queensland, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. G'day, Greg. Julian, good afternoon. And to you. Sheffield Shield players who mm. never made it to the top. I'm going to give you three from Northern Districts. Yep. Uh, the opening bowling pair of Steve Bernard and Mark Clues. Yes. And the player who probably would have come closest to making an Australian side... And probably, in my mind, the most economic bowler in Sheffield Shield history, the all-rounder, Kerry Mackay. Okay. Northern okay. Dis... So they played it, at, obviously, Mark Taylor Oval. I'm not sure it was Mark Taylor Oval back when, when they played. Dom Thornley, I think, was no, a Northern Districts player too, wasn't he, Greg? He, he was indeed, yes. Back in the day, it was known as Waitara Oval. Yep. And it was like North Sydney in that it was... And Chatswood, they were... Uh, they were grounds that uh, played host to every sport, effectively. So soccer was played on mm. it, rugby union was played on it. I don't know that rugby league was played on it so much because rugby league really wasn't a, a big sport back in the day.
day and you know, they played a little bit at Hornsby and they played at, at um, Asquith. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was rugby yeah. rugby union, soccer and uh, and cricket. And uh, yeah, Kerry Mackay, he was followed in that sort of containing role by um, Graham Beard, I think moved up from Manly to play at Northern Districts at the time. Yep. And he's yep. another one that probably could have gone on to play at, uh, at the upper level. Yeah, Beardy. Greg, I could chat all day, but I've got to get to the news headlines. Thank you. Yeah, Beardy, I played, well, to play, but across paths with Beardy at the Roseville District Cricket Club. He'd uh, played a handful of tests in one day, sort of in that post-World Series cricket era. And Beardy actually was the one that told me to, to change my, he changed my trigger movement, Beardy, from front foot plonk down the pitch to, to back and across. So it'll give you that extra half a second, especially when you're getting in in your innings. And I've never forgotten that. Now, even in the 40s, he was playing, I think, first-grade shires for, for Rosewood. They're just dominating. You could tell that even the ones that aren't great test cricketers, still a hell of a lot better than you and I could ever hope to be. A good player, and good afternoon to you, Beattie. If you are listening, 0457 736 736, the text line number. Uh, Jules, how they couldn't make a teen TV soap on the Gold Coast beaches is beyond me. Cheekwee Angel Holdsworth. Uh, Gobs from Leichhardt. Thank you. Keep those texts coming in at 0457 736 736. We've got the news headlines coming up. On the other side of that, we'll check in with the Sydney Flames president, Victoria Denham. Jules in the chair for another, what, 30 minutes or so before we hand the reins over to the cricket team at the Gabba for the second test between Australia and the West Indies. You're on SEN Summer Afternoons. Welcome back to the program. Julian King in the chair on SEN Summer Afternoons. Of course, we've got the cricket coming up in about half an hour's time, but Thursday on SEN Arvos means one thing. It means basketball. We always check in with our great friends at Hoops Capital. We've got the Kings taking on Melbourne United this Sunday. Get your tickets from Ticketek. And then the mighty Sydney Flames. This is 4v2. They take on the Southside Flyers tonight. As I said, get your tickets from Ticketek. This is a really important game. We thought we'd check in with Victoria Denham, the president of the Flames. She's on the line right now. Victoria, good afternoon. Thank you for your time. Hi, Jules. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, as I understand it, this is your second season as president. Tell me about your observations of the league. Yeah, it is my second season. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've made a lot of progress in our two seasons with the Sydney Flames. I think the team on the court is, is putting up a good fight. And as you said, uh, currently fourth and, and pushing for the finals this year, which, which would be incredible. Um, I think the WNBL has incredible talent across the league. Uh, there's quite a number of the top players in the world playing here, uh, given the, the uh, compatibility with the WNBA. Um, you know, we have Kayla George on our team who's fresh off a, WNBA championship uh, came mm. and put on a Flames uniform, and so super excited to have her um, playing with us this season. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I mean the NBL continues to go from strength to strength, and outside of the NBA, it's one of the top two or three domestic leagues on the planet. Probably a bit less known about the standard of the WNBL. You mentioned there, Kayla George, the WNBA. In your opinion, and from what you've seen globally, the standard of the competition, where does it stack up? worldwide yeah i mean obviously i'm biased but we have some incredible talent and and the product on the court is is definitely up there uh we have you know uh incredible athletes from the WNBA that choose to come and play in australia um whether they're you know imports of the of the caliber of uh jordan canada who's playing with melbourne at the moment um you know uh kayla george as i said and and the local australians that are that are killing it in the WNBA. Um, I think, you know, it, it's hard to rate it, um, and I can't say I watch too much Europe, uh, European basketball, but, <laughs> but I'd say we're definitely up there. 
I think it's really important, and what sport does and basketball does really well in this country is acknowledging its past and its history. You know, those that trod the boards before them. That's what that's what's going to happen tonight. Uh, you're going to honour the club's first ever WNBL championship. This is Carrie Graff's 1993 side. We're a bit younger back then, Victoria. <laughs> going to be recognised uh, against the Flyers. Uh, this is uh, fantastic to see. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have that team, as, as many of them can make it, and, and Carrie Graff herself in the building tonight. Um, I think it's it's really important, like you said, to pay tribute and, and acknowledge the foundations they set for our club as, as a championship-caliber club. Sporting teams are family, as you know. Uh, Tiana has been well-reported struggling um, you know, with the breast cancer and the rest of it, and you're rallying around her at the moment. I see she's saying you know, she continues to be brave and strong. And uh, Just tell us about the support networks in place for her. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think we were as shocked as, as Tiana was when she uh, was re-diagnosed um, at the end of our season last season um, after an incredible on-court performance. Um, you know, she really carried the load for our team and, and was really coming into form. And so I think we were all just as shocked as, as she was um, with that that um uh, re-diagnosis and so for us it was really you know what could we do to support um, and you know keeping her around uh, the team was really important for us and and she's really lent in hard to being an assistant coach with us this season and it, it's been incredible to see you know the work and and um, passion that she's continued on I know you know it's a challenge for any player especially a player who still wants to play to transition from from being a player to a coach but uh, I think her her former teammates and, and those that she's coaching this year have really lent in and, and value her in that role. I think um, you know we've we've really done what we can at Hoops Capital and, and the basketball community at large. I know um, you know even the Perth Wildcats, who who we would would say are, are a front of me from a Kings perspective. You know <laughs> we're wearing uh, support Tiana shirts from the beginning of the season. So. Uh, I think that that's just a real testament to the the basketball and sporting community in in this country around how uh, powerful it can be and and how supported it it is of its own. Um, But, you know, Pink Hoops a couple weekends ago was was quite successful. We had the biggest WNBL and the biggest NBL crowd uh, in attendance that game. And and I think that that just shows how how much of an impact Tiana is having on her community. Yep, indeed. Now, we're honouring the 93 side and Carragraph's team. We're, it's a nod to history. But then, of course, we've got to look ahead to some of the future stars. We've got this young gun, Shanice Swain, making her debut tonight. What can you tell us about her, Victoria? Yeah, we're super excited to see Shanice. Um, she, unfortunately, has not yet played a game with the Sydney Flames, so tonight will be her first. Um, she was drafted by the Los Angeles Sparks last uh, WNBA draft. Um, she's still obviously quite young, so they haven't brought her over and... and um, I believe the timeline is to bring her over this season, but she is quite a player. She uh, torched us when we played against her uh, <laughs> in a Canberra uniform last season. So very excited to have her on our side and, and a real testament to her. She has worked uh, worked tirelessly this season to come back from injury and, and be ready to go this season. I think, you know, so many people would have, would have just called it, called it a season and, and, you know, worked to get back for the next one, but she, uh, has worked very hard to be back and ready um, as we kind of push for finals and, and hopefully make a finals push. Now, it's not just the finals spot that you talked about, this finals push that you're playing for, but this, of course, Victoria, the last game before the FIBA break, and there's a stack of players fighting for these Opal spots in Paris, so there's plenty on the line on the court tonight. Uh, who are some of the names that you think might make that squad? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, it's hard to go past Tess Madden, Opal's captain, um, and, and Kayla George, of course. Um, you know, they're, they're both putting on the uniform to go to uh, Brazil for the FIBA break to fight to get the Opals into the Olympics. Um, so I, I'm sure they're very much focused on that. It's, it's no small task to getting to the Olympics. So uh, we're definitely uh, doing what we can to support them. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting and, and, you know, it won't be easy for sure. In addition to, the Flames are going to support the WNBL's fighting period poverty round against the Flyers tonight. Can you just tell us a bit about these sort of promotions in the WNBL? Have you been a, a big supporter of these? Your role as president, is is it sort of part and parcel of your role to even, I guess, suggest to come up with these initiatives? Or is this something done in concert with the WNBL? Yeah, so this is a league, uh, league-led uh, charity round. We're we're very supportive. Uh, they partner with a charity called Share the Dignity, and and we will have um, bins at, at our game tonight where fans can donate, um, you know, period products and and other things for people who live in period poverty. I think uh, it's a really important cause. Um, you know, as as a club, we're very supportive of the league's um, work with this charity, and and have lent in where we can. Indeed. Well, the Flames, well, you're on a bit of a roll at the moment, fourth position. I mean, what, what's a realistic expectation for the team this year, do you think, Victoria? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're asking the, probably the most biased person to ask that question to. Uh, Jules, but, <laughs> That's why I asked but, uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't think a, a championship is out of reach, but I think for us it's, it's very much... Um, you know, pushing to make finals. We, we've been outside of the four and just cracked into it. And so I think really taking care of the game tonight and the next couple of games to, to lock in that position and then, uh, you know, focus on what comes after that. So 7.45 p.m. tip-off tonight, Thursday, 25th of January. And the good thing about it is, and just get your tickets from Ticketek, but this is such great value if you want to get the family out. Am I right in saying only $5 for juniors, $15 for adults, and $30 for families? Brilliant value. I mean, that is sensational. And and I've maintained for a couple of years now on the program since I was finally dragged off the couch to see some live Kings action it was last year. Just the basketball in general beat the Kings and the Flame and everything you're doing there at Hoops Capital is the best fan day experience. You talked about the crowds the other week. You know, it's it's great for the kids. It doesn't drag on too long. It's action-packed. It's fast-paced. And you see high-quality basketball. So everybody out there, if you're in the Sydney region, get out tonight and see the Flames take on the South Sydney Flyers. are going to honour that 1993 championship winning team led by the great Cary Graff. So just $5 for the juniors, $15 for adults, 30 bucks for families. A great night out. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today, Victoria. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jules. There she is, Victoria Denham. She's the president of the Sydney Flames. As I said, I mean, you can't get better value than $5. Would it take your daughter, an aspiring Opal, perhaps? Five bucks. It doesn't get any better than that to see some live sporting action. Some of the best players on the planet, and you mentioned there, Kayla George, WNBA star. She'll be one that is certainly featuring for the Opals. Test Madden, another one, as mentioned, the last game before the FIBA break. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and the text line number 0457-736-736. And in the NBL, don't forget the Kings take on Melbourne United this Sunday. Get your tickets from Ticketek, that match at Kudos Bank Arena. We'll take another break and back with more of your texts on the text line 0457-736-736. Thanks to SBS Fence Portable Toilet and Fence High Solutions, sbsfence.com.au. You're on SEN Summer Afternoon. Shane George, there's a good one. Another South Australian. 
What about Peter George? Do you remember Peter George had that that chip technology, no ball technology? So in the back of your boot, so if you overstep the line, it'll do a little beep and let the umpire know. I don't think that ever developed into anything. And 525 says, I'm not against changing the date, but how long it'll be until the new day starts to be a problem? Uh, look, you'll never keep everyone happy. The question is, can you make things better than they currently are? All right. When I was in Surface Paradise, I paid a visit with the family to Wahlburgers, and they do these fried pickles and the fried onions. I tell you what, that would have been dinner alone. It was magnificent. Time for a US sports update. Thanks to Wahlburgers, your new home of burgers and sports. I thought I'd drag in the great booksy. I mean, how good is this? I get the top shelf crew today. <laughs> Absolute top shelf crew today for the US report. Hello, Nathan. Oh, Jules, that's very nice of you to say that. But, yeah, I've got my training wheels on here by myself, producing and doing the panel. So... Yeah, it's good to be in here before the big test, but we're going to talk some American sport now, aren't we? I'm sort of a... I was a Chargers man when they were San Diego. They're now LA, so I'm kind of loosely a Chargers man. A big rap on Justin Herbert. He's, I mean, he's, his numbers are going to go up in terms of how much they pay him. LA Chargers, new coach. Yes, gone to the top. Jim Harbour from Michigan. He's been in the NFL before with the Niners and the Chargers. Back in the day, he was one of their quarterbacks for two seasons in the late 1990s. So, yeah, he's coming. He's replacing Brandon Staley, who was fired during the season. They want more out of Herbert. They want to see some playoff wins. They moved from San Diego to a big city, L.A., to try and get that exposure. The, those games, Jules, as you probably notice, is mainly the away team in the crowds there at SoFi. So they want to probably build yeah. a dynasty while they've, uh, they're backing Herbert. They've got some receivers. They've um, spent money in free agency and used high draft picks on providing talent for him. So they've brought in a big coach. He's been to a Super Bowl with the uh, Niners. Remember that one? It was the Harb Bowl, they called it, when he came up <laughs> against his brother John in Super Bowl 47. The Harb Bowl. So big, unoriginal. big yeah. news in the NFL today. So... Coming off a big championship with Michigan, paid very well there. Um, they will they will want success straight away with Jim. In yeah, charge. it's always silly season, isn't it, when it comes to coaching? Speaking of actually coaching movements, ESPN Brooks here reporting Doc Rivers set to take the reins at the Milwaukee Bucks. This is crazy. Doc is he's been one of the big profile coaches over the last fifteen years. He led the Celtics to a championship. He's been at the Clippers with Lob City with Blake Griffin, Chris Paul. Back in the days, bringing back a bit of flair to the Clippers franchise. He was at the Sixers recently, had Joel Embiid win a um, MVP last year. He, you know, Philly wanted results. They didn't get them, so he, he walked away. It was a mutual agreement there. He's been spending some time in the media. But this whole story around the, the coach, Adrian Griffin, who was hired this year for the Bucks, they were 30 and 13 when he was oh. let go. Third best record in the NBA, wow. second best in the East behind the Celtics. So a bit of controversy there. It was probably um, to do with how he was managing the players. One of his assistants at the start of the year, Terry Stotts, who they brought in because they traded for their star point guard, Damian Lillard, basically left the club before game one of the season. So there was early warning signs there, but they've made the move. The management said that they think they've got a better option to lead this team to a second championship. With Giannis there, they obviously traded players and picks to get... Damian Lillard, a star from the Portland Trailblazers there this year. So they've made the move. They've bit the bullet. They've done the done this big controversial call. Now they're just hoping that Doc can lead them back to a championship. Time will tell. I guess really 
the only thing to extract from that is who in any code Brooksy would ever be a coach. 30 and 13. Right, pack your bags. See you later. Third best record in the league. It is bizarre. Thank you, my friend. And that no US sports update, thanks to Wahlburgers. I said I went to the Wahlburgers venue on the on the side of Surface Paradise in the Goldie. Beautiful. The cheeseburger, the onion, the fried pickles, I'm telling you, they are worth the price of admission. Cold beer, live sports, the best Aussie burgers, Wahlberg style. Find one near you. We'll come back and tidy things up here on SEN Summer Afternoons. That's us pretty much done for the program. Short and sharp, like I said at the top of the show. Two hours, no slow over race from Jules. 30 overs, bang, on the button. Mark, let's tidy up the text line. Says, Jules, you said you never work with that dirtbag, Brooksy. Mark, I never said that. Don't put words in my mouth. I'll always work with Brooksy because he's a Red V fan. Slash a Steelers fan. If you're a Steelers fan, you're a mate of mine. Uh, Reptile, Shaggers, Doc Rivers at the Bucks will not work. Rivers is a kind of coach that wants certain way of play. Won't adjust to the players he has. He has no plan B. Well, I guess time will tell there. Reptile, Simon from South McLean says, imagine what Adam Dale, yeah, talking about good first-class players, could have done on an Ashes tour. Could have been Terry Alderman-like. Well, Terry Alderman got over 40 wickets in 81, then again in 89, didn't he? Great stump-to-stump swing bowler, Adam Dale, with a great nickname, Chippen. It's a good one, isn't it? If Jan 26, Australia Day, uh, because it celebrates the arrival of the First Fleet, why aren't people waving the British flag to celebrate? Thank you, 800. And Matt, I'll give the final word to you, my friend. Jules, your level of wokeness has hit new levels this year. Channel 10 is calling, mate. As I said, I'm proud to be cool woke. Be boring if we're all the same, though, wouldn't it, Matt? And I value all your opinions here. 0457 736 736. Thank you, everybody, on the text line today for our great mates, SBS Fences, Portable Toilet and Fence High Sydney. Thank you to Victoria Denham from the Sydney Flames. Thank you to Baratson to Racing. And thank you to you, Brooksy, and to everybody that contributed to the program this afternoon. Stick around, and after the break, we'll hand the keys over to Jared Waitley, Damien Fleming, Ian Healy, and as I understand it, Socky might be part of the call. For every ball of the Brisbane Day-Night Test live from the Gabba from 2pm, catch you on breakfast tomorrow. Bye-bye.